Hey everyone, and welcome to Imagine the Possibilities with Intelia, where we showcase Intelia talent across departments. My name is Maritza Gamboa, Associate Director, Talent Attraction Programs. On this show, we take deep dives into all things culture and careers. We talk about career steps and missteps, development, growth, and more. Just imagine the possibilities of what we can learn together. Today, we are imagining the possibilities with Rebecca Lescarbo, Associate Director of Preclinical Development here at Intelia. Rebecca has been with Intelia for five years. In her time, she has risen from senior scientist, principal scientist to associate director. Rebecca earned her bachelor's degree and PhD in biological engineering from MIT. Let's dive right in. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. In the show intro, I provided a quick introduction, but we'd love to have you start by telling us about yourself and your background. Wonderful. Um, Yes. So my name is Rebecca Scarbo. I am a mass spectrometrist by training, uh, generally an analytical chemist. And currently I'm an associate director in the early development group at Intelia. Um, So I have a team of mass spectrometrists and PCR specialists. You know, by way of background, I joined Intelia in August of 2017. Um, I was hired as a senior scientist in what was then the biodistribution and pharmacokinetics group. Um, So that has expanded into EDEV. And um, my role has expanded from a bench scientist to sort of an associate director um, with both mass spec people and uh, PCR under me. And for... Maybe any non-scientists like myself listening, can you maybe explain what a spectrometrist is? (laughs) Absolutely. So a mass spectrometer is basically a scale, um, but super, super accurate one. So when we analyze chemicals on a mass spectrometer, you can tell down to the atomic level what that chemical is made up of. Wow. Is it a tool? It's a tool. It's a huge, very expensive instrument. Okay. Um, And so... It's a pretty cool technology. It's not a relatively new technology, but it's always improving. And so that allows us to know if we've made the right chemical that we're trying to synthesize, if it's degraded over time, or if it's degraded in the body. And also what specifically, if if we found what we think that we're looking for, because it's so um, specific. Wow. Okay. How did you first get trained in such a <laughs> expensive tool like that? And then maybe like a larger question of what motivated you to pursue your PhD in biological engineering? Yeah. So I had a really good professor in undergrad. His name was Forrest White and he became my grad advisor. So his lab was mass spectrometry and mm. I was interested in sort of understanding cell pathways. And one of the ways you can do that is looking at cell signaling and um, cells signal through different chemicals and through mass spectrometry, we can measure those different chemicals. Didn't know much about mass spec when I started grad school, but uh, joined a mass spec lab, uh, meaning that we did everything from cell culture and sample preparation to learning how to use the mass spectrometers, keep them up and running, general maintenance, um, and all the way through data analysis. That was the majority of my PhD. Between that and Intelia, 
I was also a bench scientist uh, for NSI company, which allowed me to learn about oligonucleotides. And Mm. so in grad school, I did mostly proteomics and then I did oligonucleotides at a small biotech company. And so um, those two worlds kind of crashed together with Intellia and, and now we look at both. Maybe stepping back a bit further, how did you decide you wanted this career path? Did you go into MIT undergrad knowing chemistry, biology, you know, this was for you? Um, so I had the impression that I wanted to do biomedical engineering, um, which isn't an official department at MIT. Okay. I thought it might be mechanical engineering with a focus on biomaterials or something like that. Um, and in my first year, I really fell in love with biology and cell chemistry and genetics and um, a little bit more of the micro type of classes. So mm-hmm. I, you don't declare a major until a little bit later. So oh, I nice. um, very much disliked physics and <laughs> that and, um, and switched to biological engineering as a department. Um, and that's what both of my degrees are in. And it was a relatively new um, program at MIT at the time. So they um, didn't have strict rules on whether you could stay for your PhD or not. And people have um, strong opinions on whether you change universities <laughs> uh, between um, undergrad and grad if you pursue grad school. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to uh, be an MD, or I was pretty mm-hmm. sure of that. But I also knew that I wanted to stay within healthcare or uh, biotech, something to that, to that effect. And so that's, that's how I ended up here. I really liked the cell-based uh, work of biological engineering, but also the human component. Kind of looking back, my mom was a dental hygienist and she really, oh. you could tell that she was passionate about like helping people and, yeah. and care. Um, and so I don't want my fingers in people's mouths, but <laughs> I really, I think that kind of brought it home for me. How can I help people without being like bedside, if you will. Right, right. Oh, that's so great. And can you dive a little more into what your day-to-day looks like now and your role at Intellia? Sure. So I am, like I said, I'm an associate director. So I have um, responsibilities that are within Intellia, meaning our basic research. Mm-hmm. But I also have responsibilities as a um, program liaison between EDEV, early development, and the program, the functional programs that we have going on at Intellia. So we have our AML program, so our autologous cell therapy, um, NTLA 5001. So I'm the program lead for that uh, within EDEV. And then also our external communication. So I work with uh, both CROs, so contract research organizations. So they specialize in uh, regulatory compliant assays and things like that. On a day-to-day, I, I'm able to sort of dig into some of the research that my team generates or the data that my team generates, um, but also um, look at programs at a higher level and also uh, intercompany programs. So it sounds like you are no longer in the lab. Do you miss it or do you like this more high level role? Um, I love still having direct reports that are in the lab and yeah. look at their data. Um, they have better hands than I ever did. <laughs> uh, so I don't miss it on a day to day. Uh, but I do enjoy uh, still being close enough to the research that we can look at raw data and sort of discuss it. And um, at least some of the time, I think my suggestions are helpful. (laughs) That is exciting. (laughs) What would you say has been your most important professional mentor to date? It sounds like maybe you had one in school. 
can share more about that person or if you have any others. But mentorship is a very hot topic for us. So we'd love to hear stories about your mentors. Absolutely. So um, for grad school, my lab was relatively small. It was probably 10 to 15 people oh, yeah. on the time. Um, so I was in grad school for six years. And so, you know, you see ebbs and flows, but um, having someone who was there and really knew the ins and outs of a mass spectrometer was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And that meant he was willing to be in the lab with us and, and troubleshoot things. Also, it was a function of uh, maintenance contracts are very expensive. <laughs> and so, Ooh, yeah, uh, you know, we're fortunate at Antelia and, and most biotechs where they take advantage of the service contracts, but in grad school, that's not typically the case. So you, um, you know, we had someone who was, who was in there and interested in, in keeping the lab, uh, the lab, maintaining itself and that that fostered you know a deep understanding of a mass spectrometer itself so I'd say that was a a nice positive experience um in terms of my role today transitioning into industry was you know a big change and Mm -hmm. first boss was also a really good mentor he had a role similar to mine currently so he was again no longer in the lab but still close enough to the data and what I was doing day to day to be um scientifically helpful. And also he helped me see the broader picture um, of where the corporate goals are going and where my projects mm. are. And sometimes um, you can be so focused in grad school on one project that you need someone to help you transition into industry where you have multiple projects and, and corporate goals can change in the middle of the year and things like that. So true. I can't imagine the transition. I, ha- I have to imagine it would be somewhat scary really for anyone coming out of school, any level. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very, it's a very different environment and mm-hmm. um, having someone who let you be a scientist, but also made sure that you understood the company's mission. Uh, mm-hmm. I think so. On that topic, do you have any advice for folks who might be wanting to pursue a similar career or they are just getting started? In, uh, um, yeah, so a couple of things that I would say are, um, you know, as a, as a scientist first is kind of how my, how I see myself being an expert in something is very important. And that shows that you can dig into something and, and truly understand it, but then have a willingness to, and an, an, an eagerness to learn new things. So I come with a mass spectrometry background, but I have now a team of PCR specialists, um, mm-hmm. I have an open position for a flow cytometrist. I interact with um, other companies. So I'm a sort of representative of Intellia and, you know, try to be a good representative for the company, you know? So I think um, being an expert is really important and then being willing to learn other things um, is very helpful. The other thing that I would say is (laughs) one of my general philosophies is it's nice to be nice. Um, (laughs) Keeping good relations with, lab ops and operations and even other scientists in different groups. You, First of all, it's, it's you know, <laughs> being a, a good representative of yourself, but also you don't know when you're going to have to interact with these people and um, having good relationships make things easier. So absolutely. That's great. You touched on it a quick bit that you are hiring. We love to do a plug for that. Something I've been asking folks this season or what are some things you look for in a candidate maybe joining your team, hard or soft skills? And it can be specific to this opening or in general. Sure. So again, um, 
I think part of it at like a scientist, senior scientist level is someone that has an expertise and they, mm-hmm. they kind of therefore prove themselves as someone who can learn something to a very technical and high level. Um, and then my current role is sort of a hybrid role of part-time lab and part-time CRO management. And so that requires technical communication skills as well as a little bit of project management experience. So organization and communication, once you get up to a certain level, even if you're in the lab every day, still requires good communication. Mm-hmm. And thinking about your career and school, what would you say has been a big challenge, whether it's now or in the past that you are working on? So in grad school, one of my biggest challenges was uh, pulling all my data together for a sort of a true thesis, which has a beginning, a middle and an end. And mm. I think understanding that a project will ebb and flow and uh, may not be the direct line that you started with, but still knowing that you collected a lot of data and you something is there and, and finding it and um, pulling it together towards the end. That was one of my biggest challenges because at the beginning of grad school, at least in my program, we had about a year of classes and then more or less two or three years of data generation. And then the last- Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mass specs cre- create a lot of data, basically. So mm-hmm. if you have all this data, you're then you're analyzing it on a rolling basis. But towards the end, you then need to come up with a, a theme or you know your thesis of what, based on this data, what is going to be your test or your conclusion or your hypothesis to sort of finalize where you're going with your project. Mm-hmm. And then sort of um, coming to a conclusion, I think has, has been a challenge um, that I try to overcome in grad school. And then I've seen it at my first position and I've seen it at Intellia through my different roles as well. So you can have a lot of data, but what does it mean? Or, right. you know, there could be a regulatory filing question and they're asking a question and it's kind of inappropriate to go back and forth multiple times. So you have to narrow down your response to what you think they're asking and making sure that you have the data to back it up and that it's consistent with the rest of the package and things like that. So a challenge is sort of to figure out what the data means and how to, how to correctly interpret it and justify it so that other people agree with you, basically. <laughs> yeah, wow. I cannot imagine, especially with grad school. I assume you're on like a time limit. So it's like, okay, time's up. You need to decide what this means now. You can't keep testing. <laughs> yeah. So some, some grad advisor will be happy to have you forever, but most <laughs> most people will set themselves on, on, a, on a time limit at some point. They're ready, to, they're ready to move on for sure. Wow. And then on a positive spin to that, what would you say has been your personal and professional greatest triumph? Professionally, I would say my greatest triumph has been Antelia seeing the first patient dosed with Antelia 2001. Um, so I was primarily involved with the guide. Um, so mm-hmm. our 2001 therapeutic is an LMP that encompasses both a um, sgRNA, which is the guide component, and then also mRNA to make Cas9 for CRISPR-Cas9 therapies. Um, and I, when I joined and during during this time until I was a bit smaller, so people were kind of working within more groups than maybe they do now. So I was part of the guide design, also some of the characterization through mass spectrometry, and then also part of the um, GMP manufacturing team, although I was never technically part of tech ops. Um, so it was really emotional to hear that, oh. that um, you know, molecule that we've designed is in, is in a patient. It's 
pretty exciting. And then, you know, if I can sort of detour just a little bit, I did listen to um, our head of HR, Marika's uh, podcast from season one, and she was saying how one of the things that was really helpful to her um, was she was invited to a meeting and kind of sat in the back or whatever, and someone said, no, you're come to the table. And we had this, one of our final discussions about the guide, I was kind of in that same boat where I was invited, but didn't really feel like I should be there. Mm -hmm. The VP went around and said like, what does everyone think of this data? And literally was calling people out seat by seat. And I kind of tried to defer and say, oh, I'm, you know, I agree with my boss or whatever. And Mm -hmm. and stopped and made sure that I answered it. So I think um, there's something to be said that if you're invited, take a seat. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool experience. And it's nice that we have leadership here and I'm sure other companies, but it's nice here that the leadership recognizes that and will take the time to make sure you're speaking. (laughs) And then maybe a personal triumph as well. Sure. Um, So it's somewhat uh, professional, but I come from a really small town and um, I didn't realize, I didn't realize what leap I was taking when I moved to Cambridge and became an MIT undergrad, but um, pretty soon it was <laughs> pretty obvious that maybe I was under, my, you know, over my head underwater. Um, but I, I continued through and, um, you know, I have friends from, uh, my hometown who have gone all different career paths. Um, but personally, I'm, I'm pretty proud of where I am today. That's great. It is a scary change. <laughs> We're talking about leaving the academic world, but entering it, <laughs> especially 18 on your own or any age. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And there can be a cultural component. You know, I, I only moved uh, one state, but um, from a small town to a big city and, and mm. that. So I think, um, you know, pushing yourself personally is important. And sometimes you don't even realize that you are pushing yourself until, <laughs> um, True. until you're there and then, and then you realize you can do it. So that's great. And then, Something I ask everyone toward the end is what is next for your career? (laughs) Sure. Um, So I'm really enjoying this sort of opportunity to sit on the fence between research and development or clinical um, as part of the early, early development team. So we uh, still see projects that are in research that are not yet um, drug candidates. And then we do the bioanalysis for sort of preclinical work. And so work to have assays validated for our clinical sample analysis. And um, I, that role is, that whole team is only ever going to increase with the number of programs that we're moving forward. So I think um, continuing to to expand that, that function is is sort of where I see uh, my career going. That is fascinating. You get sort of a sneak peek into everything. (laughs) Yes, we're lucky. We try to keep it under the radar that we have um, our hands in many pots, but uh, like I said, secrets out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. All right. I always end with rapid fire questions. So tell me the first thing that comes to mind. But if you could be anywhere in the world right now, where would it be and why? It doesn't really matter exactly what country or uh, ocean, but I would like to be on a sandy beach uh, where we could scuba dive. So um, I, I'm only like level one certified basic certification, but there is nothing more tranquil than being under the water. Um, that's pretty cool. Even yeah. just level one, I mean, that's an accomplishment. Where, I guess, so far have you scuba dived or where's been your favorite place? 
Uh, mostly the Caribbean. So uh, the nice. Bahamas, uh, Key West, actually. So Florida, um, Cozumel. Cozumel was probably one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So at some point, I hope to get over to uh, sort of the South Pacific um, or maybe South America, but Very maybe cool. someday with COVID. <laughs> Very cool. Have you ever come across a shark or anything really <laughs> scary? We've seen a couple of sharks. Um, my favorite are sea turtles. and. Oh. Are they massive? They are like making a circle with your hand, you know, with your full arms and that they're about that big, which is pretty cool. Um, Once I did the, um, the dive master was uh, pointing something and I kind of went over it and he was actually pointing to say, stay away, but I didn't know that (laughs) I wasn't, you know, I I respect the water and I I wasn't going to touch it. But when we, when we um, surfaced, he was like, what were you doing? And I was like, I thought you wanted us to see this really cool fish. Yeah, pointing is actually confusing. That could go either way. <laughs> Very cool. That's a cool hobby. Um, and then what is something you're currently working on in your role that you are excited about? Um, in my current role, I think the um, one thing that I'm excited about is seeing where MassSpec is, is going in our company. So um, we've had some projects that have, continued throughout the years that we're starting to make really good progress on and that's kind of exciting so they're kind of those back burner um without extracurricular but kind of you know if you have a couple hours a week yeah. you can put it towards that um unofficial projects and and we're starting to gain some speed on those so that's exciting that is exciting that's like how my podcast came to me <laughs> <laughs> and then my last question is what is your favorite thing about working at Intelia? Yeah, so I kind of answered this before, but but being able to see um, the different, all the different departments. So I think that I'm really lucky in, in EDEV that we get to see the research. Um, so we know what's coming down the pipeline and we get to see what's in clinical because we help build some of the bioanalysis assays. Um, and then my colleagues. So we have really, really smart, friendly, gracious people here. Um, and I've I've said that from, you know, probably within the first year that I joined. And even though Intelia has grown tremendously since 2017, um, we really have some, some amazing scientists here. And, and it's, it's fun to work with people who challenge you, um, you know, appropriately, but scientifically right. you know, on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guest star, Rebecca, today. Really appreciate all of your time explaining all of the incredible things you and your team are working on. Tune in next week for our final episode of season two. Can't wait.